This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. The value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. In South Africa, 91 is an authorised financial services provider. With me is Simon Brazier, co-head of quality and portfolio manager of the 91 UK Alpha Fund. And I was in the UK a couple of weeks ago, Simon, and I got off at Bank Station, which is very close to where, where 91's headquarters is in London. And first of all, I couldn't get out of the station because most of the entrances were barred. And then when I did manage to extricate myself from the labyrinth of tunnels, there was no one anywhere. The streets were empty, there were no cars, and I thought to myself, this is like a Wednesday before Christmas, it's lunchtime, and I thought, what is the UK economy like deep down? Because there have been two drivers in 2020, that's COVID and Brexit, and probably are going to be the key drivers as well in 2021. Well, unfortunately, you are right that the economy has obviously been in dire straits, and you've seen the biggest fall in the economy, I think, since the 1700s. And the reality is, is that I personally do not believe that you know, 2021 will bring much solace. The UK economy is very much driven by the consumer. And even with vaccine on the horizon, even with some sorts of, I'm sure we'll talk about it, some sort of conclusion to Brexit, actually with rising unemployment rates, I think ongoing concerns around both Brexit and COVID and the fact that global economies are not growing quickly, my personal view is the UK economy is going to take some time to recover. Therefore, we have to talk about where the opportunities are, because there will undoubtedly be opportunities. What is the outlook, in your opinion, for UK equities and for UK investors? Because although the the same drivers that were the influencers, if you like, in 2020 will be the influencers again in 2021, but maybe in a different influential direction, if you get my point. Yeah, the, I mean, the reality is, is that actually I, I entered 2021 in almost feeling how I did in 2000, going into 2020, which was even back then I felt it was difficult for companies to grow. It was, a, it was, a, you know, it was and not, not only that, valuations were quite expensive. I mean, as we enter today, you still have quite full valuations in the market, which which does limit opportunities. I would say that there are those recovery value stocks that do look in some cases, relatively attractive. And I would say one of the key things that we are looking for is which are the companies that will come out of the pandemic actually in a stronger position than when they went in. And some of them are ones you may not think about. So Next, the UK clothing retailer, yeah. while it's clearly has suffered to a degree from the closure of many of its stores, actually its online platform has done incredibly well. And actually, with the loss of many of its competitors, I think Next is in a very strong position to take market share and to grow its online continually going forward. I mean, even Ryanair, which has obviously had its difficulties and it will take some time for recovery in passenger numbers. But again, it sees its competitors decimated. It's been able to buy 120 new Boeing Maxes at a very, very good price, which, which, which maintains its low cost advantage. So there are companies there which we think actually come out of this pandemic in a stronger position than when they went in and maybe not the most the ones one would necessarily think about so what you're saying is that there are companies that have adapted more nimbly than others and those are the ones that you're looking at well actually i my last line in my presentation a year ago before the pandemic was i wanted to find companies that could deal with geopolitical uncertainty economic stress and structural change and so many of the companies that were had positioned themselves to do that are now benefiting and that's the same point today 
you have to be relatively nimble, but you actually, for example, you know, I'm not going to name them, but there are quite a lot of clothing retailers and others out there who have not invested in their online platform and hence you know, will really, really struggle in what is going to be, I think, a different world as we come out of this. We will be buying more online. I mean, if the amount of Amazon packages that arrive at my house compared to a year ago, which was virtually zero, is an indication of anyone else's household, then, you know, we, we have definitely changed our spending habits. We definitely have. And uh, I was in North London again a couple of weeks ago and I took a, a late evening walk. It was 10.30, 11 o'clock. And there were still vans from companies, uh, grocery delivery companies, dropping off, uh, knocking on doors at that, that time of night. It's, it's a complete sea change, isn't it? But we're focusing too much on retail, even though it does uh, fascinate me. Yep. You like quality stocks and you have to look at cyclicals as well. So apart from what you've just mentioned, what is your strategy focusing on this year so in the portfolio i say there are three main themes which is the bulk of the portfolio still remains and the strategy remains very much focused on those long-term holdings some of them are the sort of consumer staple names such as diageo or you know london stock exchange or some of the long-term experian or smith and nephew these companies that have been around a long time will continue to be around a long time and can reinvest for growth and that still remains the core of the portfolio the second theme clearly is the cyclical names, but we are only buying cyclicality where there is a strong balance sheet and the shares are pricing in a pretty severe recession. So I mentioned Ryanair earlier, but it's a company with a fantastic balance sheet that has bought itself time with its balance sheet to wait for recovery. And the third area actually has been this big debate of sort of growth or quality versus value. But we have found some opportunities, you know, back in the beginning of October, end of October, beginning of November, you know, we went overweight oil, for example, for the first time in my career in 20 years, because the valuation opportunity had just got so extreme. I mean, we've seen a big bounce since then. But I do think some of the more value type names have, have, have sparked some interest for us. What about COVID? Hopefully in the next three to six months, it will stabilise. Is there anything that you look at that will emerge from the ashes of COVID and start to surprise you? Is there any, any sector? You don't have to be specific. Clearly, travel and leisure is going to be very interesting as we come out of this, because I, I don't necessarily think that all this, the same patterns will emerge that we saw previously. But particularly the low-cost airlines, I do. that is one area that I just cannot see how they will not recover. I do believe people will continue to take holidays. Yes. It may be some of the, some of the you know, British Airways or IAG has such a big reliance on you know, particularly cross-transatlantic business travel, and one does wonder how many times people will be making that trip going forward. But I would say I do personally think that domestic, you know, the consumer, spent, consumer travel and, and retail spending trends will recover much quicker than maybe businesses who've, who've, who've learned to use the likes of online platforms like Zoom and Microsoft Teams, etc. Any banana skins potentially this year? It's almost yeah, as though people are saying that there's Brexit. We haven't really mentioned Brexit that much no. because it's a word that is deeply painful to me as a person that lives in the Netherlands. But is there any opportunity there as well? I mean, never mind COVID. What, what about the, the, the Brexit emergence? I'll be very blunt with you. No, I mean the um, we have a very thin trade deal, um, which has no greater benefits whatsoever compared to what we had previously, certainly on trade, and we're still yet to hear anything on financial services. So, being honest with you, I don't meet any companies that tell me that Brexit has been a positive for them whatsoever. Um, and you know, most companies actually want regulatory alignment. They want to be able to sell into the largest economic bloc in the world, being Europe. And they know that they have to keep regulatory alignment in order to be able to do that. So 
being honest with you, Brexit is not a big catalyst, but a big positive catalyst for the next few years and actually has constrained business investment into the UK for some time and will continue to do so. I don't see a renaissance in UK business investment post the deal by any means. But the wider banana skins for me is very much something that was nothing to do with COVID or Brexit. It was where we've been for some time, which is that you know, is the amount of debt that we see in economies and particularly at the government level now, that's certainly been accelerated by COVID. And you know, we have been in an environment actually since the late 70s where we've seen falling interest rates, which has supported economies. Um, you know, it's, it's lowered costs of borrowing for businesses, for consumers. But you are starting to see a bit of a steepening of the yield curve now. You know, for example, you know, mortgage rates in the UK are at the highest level they've been for five, six, seven years if you want to borrow at 90% loan to value. And that, you know, the policy rates that banks set, the Bank of England sets, is not necessarily the price that consumers and businesses are spending in terms of borrowing. So one has that's the one thing I'm going to keep a very close eye on, is if you saw a, a rise in interest rates or a steepening of the yield curve, as we call it, yes. um, that, that could have a pretty profoundly negative effect. Well, we've seen that in the US tenure, and without harping on about it too much, yeah. it's 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 risen by it's gone from 0.88 to 1.18 at one stage. And I think it's about a 34% rise in the value of yeah. money. Do you think interest rates, once there's a new administration in the United States, and we don't want to get the political, but do you think yeah. there's a chance that the the cost of money is going to go up officially, and central banks will stop their super easing policy? No, I, mean, I actually think it's the opposite, which is I think that for some time central banks at Rio will continue to to be very loose monetarily. They will continue to try and use forward guidance to keep the yield curve down. But ultimately, one this is the key, key point. The yield curve, yes. the amount that people borrow at over 3, 5, 10, 20, 30 years is not decided by central banks. It's around supply and demand for the issuance at those levels. And the risk, therefore, clearly is that the fixed income market says, do you know what we, whatever reason it is, we expect higher inflation in the future. It may be we actually attach higher credit risk to the ability of the US UK government to pay us back. You see a steepening of that curve, which 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 can't be necessarily constrained or controlled by central banks and government. And, and that is the risk. That is the real risk to equity markets, because we have become somewhat addicted to this very, very low interest rate environment. Simon, thank you so much for your time. That's Simon Brazier, co-head of quality and portfolio manager of the 91 UK Alpha Fund, speaking to me from London.